You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, as we uh, have on the screen already, I wanted to share with you that I'm going to talk a little bit more about worship today. Uh, About three weeks back, I shared a message on what is worship and what does that mean to us as believers. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot about a lot of different things uh, concerning worship. But today I want to talk about that we are created for worship. Did you know that? You are created to worship. And that's your purpose on this earth. And this is, and if you think about this even further, when we get to heaven, what will we be doing 24-7, 365, if there is those kind of time measurements in heaven? We're going to be worshiping. I mean, you know, when we talk about worship, we want to join with the angels in worship. So you are created for worship. And I want to open up with a scripture Psalms 100, Psalm 100, and we're going to read this whole chapter, which is five verses, so you can, you can uh, be, be comfortable now. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs, know that the Lord is God, it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through the generations. To me, that means forever. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are a God that we can count on and that we want to worship. Lord, we just ask you, Lord, to open up our hearts today to receive just this spirit of worship with which you've called us and you've created us for. Lord, I just thank you for your uh, spirit just to move in our hearts today. And Lord, I thank you for the words to be anointed of you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So last week we did, we talked about encountering God through worship, and we talked about what is worship, and we had a couple things, just a little bit of review. Uh, the first scripture in Hebrews chapter thirteen says it this way, which is a best biblical description I think we can have of worship. It says therefore by Him let us continually say continually, continually. offer the sacrifice of praise to God. And he's going to define it for us here, which I think is great. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. That's what worship is all about. That is the heart of worship, and that is what we are created to do. And we talked a little bit more about what is worship, and we talked about what this word worthship means. The old English definition for worship was worthship, and we defined it in three points. The activity of glorifying God in his presence with our voices and hearts. That is what worship is. The the other piece to this is the direct expression of our ultimate purpose for living. This is our ultimate purpose for everything we do is to worship God, to bring him glory. It really paints a bigger picture than what sometimes we think worship is, doesn't it? 
Another, the other part of the definition here that I looked at last week or a few weeks back was the outward display of our inward belief. How many of you know that there is something inside of us that just calls us to worship God? I mean, how many of you know when you connect with that, there is something inside of us that's just crying out to be worshiped? And it is such a powerful place. If we can truly get there and really realize what the power and the presence of God that is in worship. But today I want to look at it from a little bit different perspective, how we are created for worship. I mean, today we have more music. How many of you know we have a lot of worship music? A lot of types of styles. And we have Spotify's, we have your, your Apple music. You can listen to worship 24-7 if you want to, or while you're sleeping, whatever, wherever you're at, you can listen to music. And, and we have more technology available to us now than we ever have in any lifetime. So maybe a question for you just to consider is, then why don't we worship more? Well, I think I, I've got some information here, and, and we're going to look in Exodus, because we're going to look at the children of Israel just for a few minutes. And I believe we have a couple of things that I can relate to these children of Israel and how they worshiped God. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, it says it this way. In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. This is a time when the children of Israel were coming out, Jesus, or Moses was leading them out of this place of slavery into a land of freedom. That's pretty good to be talking about that on Independence Day, isn't it? We're coming out of slavery into freedom. And so here they are. Picture with me the scene for just a, just a minute. God had led them out of this land. He'd done all these great things. He, he, he brought Moses in as the deliverer. And he's leading the people out because they've been in bondage. They've been in captivity. They didn't have freedom to do what they wanted to do. He's performed many miraculous signs. Parting of the Red Sea, right? One of the most uh, memorable events. They passed through on dry land. And now he's bringing them out and Moses is, is talking to them and he's bringing them up to this mountain of God. And now God wants to do something different with them. He wants to have fellowship and relationship with them. And this is awesome, right? And, and it goes on and I, I'm going to paraphrase for the next uh, verse here because I don't have it on the slide for you. But in, in verse 3 and 4 here, it's, it talks about God called Moses up to the mountain and he gives him this command. He says, hey, you tell these people that they will be my precious people. They will be my chosen generation. And he says, if they obey my voice and keep my commands. He says, you remember what I did to the Egyptians. You remember what I did to them. Guess what? I am all powerful. And you are going to be a chosen people above all people. A holy nation. A pre kingdom of priests. Sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? Verse 7, they even go, they come in and verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse 8, and it says, they, and, they and said, I agree with all this so much so that we will do whatever the Lord has spoken. We will do. 
But in Exodus chapter 20, something happens. Something changes. And I want to look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 22. Starting to verse 18, it says, Now all the people witnessed the thundering and lightning flashes and the sounds of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear you, but let not God speak with us lest we die. Verse 20, and Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. And probably one of the saddest verses in the Bible, 21. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. The people stood afar off. See, we are created for worship. We are created to come into a place where we have a relationship with God through worship. What is worship? I don't think we can, we talked about this the other week, but we can't lock it in to 30 minutes on a Sunday. <laughs> it's way more than that. Yes, that's the part of our service we dedicate for worship. But it's way more than that. It's how we live our lives. It's how we breathe. It's how we exist. And, and like I shared, you are created for worship. There's a God-shaped hole in the side of, inside of all of us that needs to be worshipped. In Psalm 100, we open with it said, If all the earth, it said all the earth. Are you part of the earth? I'm part of the earth. I come from the earth. The dust of the earth. We are created to worship God. And we have to come to the conclusion that that is our sole purpose in life. Now, we go to work. We have jobs. We have spouses. We have husbands, wives, kids to take care of. But our sole purpose is worship. Hmm. Worship is designed to bring us into fellowship with God and to bring change in our lives. Now here's a question. Why were they afraid of God? I mean, they'd seen God move mighty, mighty things, rivers, uh, the parting of the water. They'd seen God perform many miracles by the hand of Moses. Why were they afraid? And I came down to two conclusions. Because they didn't know him for who he is. That's the first one. They didn't know God for who he was. They knew Moses. They knew Aaron. They knew their leaders, but they didn't know God for who he was. And they only knew him for what he had done for them. Now, this is going to get interesting because how many people have prayed for God to do something for you in your life? All of us have. God will give us blessings. God will do things in our lives, but he's not doing it because he wants us to, to thank him for just that. He wants us to know him, to have a deep relationship with him. There are two scriptures that I want to look at that really make this so clear. Daniel eleven thirty two 32 says it like this. It says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. See the connection? 
The knowing is a relationship. It's not, uh, I know God, you can come through. You know, it's not, it's not, hey, hey, brother, you know, uh, God does good things for you. No, it's God loves you. God wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to change your life from the inside out. It's a relationship. Psalms 100 verse 3, or 103 verse 7, I'm sorry, says it like this. He made, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. See the difference? He made his ways. When you know somebody's ways, you know, you know if you've been married for longer than 10 years, you know exactly probably what your wife or husband is thinking. My wife can end my sentences. She doesn't even have to end them. She knows exactly where I'm going. And she's already mad at me before I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, she'll tell you the inside scoop. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll try to keep her from telling the whole truth. But, you know, you, you just, when you know someone, you are so intimately familiar with them. And that's what God wants us to know so we can hear his heart. When do we need to hear his heart? Now more than ever. I was thinking about this and... You know, when Jesus came on the scene, he was apolitical. Can I just be real for a minute, as I always ask? I'm sorry, I do that like a lot of my sermons. Jesus was not affiliated with any political party. And I will get into this in a minute. He came to change the hearts of men. He didn't care about the political systems. In fact, the disciples were very confused because they were thinking, man, this is great. Jesus is on the scene. We're going to set up this rule and we're going to reign. But he had other plans. It didn't go the way the disciples and even some of the other people thought it would go, which ultimately he was crucified because they thought he was going to take their political systems away from them. Man, that's an interesting topic nowadays, isn't it? So I wanted to share that as a part of the opening because I want to talk a little bit about what is worship again. And I've got a video because I want to share this video and I want to challenge us because we have a lot of music to listen to. The worship team prepares every week. And I wanted to challenge us and look at us from a different perspective about what is wrong worship. Have you ever thought about what wrong worship can be? Well, I want to have the... the have them play this video and I want to challenge you to think about what is wrong worship. I will sing of your love on Sundays Only sing of your love on Sundays I will sing of your love on Sundays then this feeling is gone by Monday. I surrender some. <laughs> I surrender some. Jesus, I will give you little. I surrender. I stand amazed at my. Style. 
funny isn't it but it, it makes you think it just it makes you think about how we do worship how we can do it wrong sometimes how many of you ever heard a song and you're like man we've sang that song so many times I'm so tired of that song you know you can just have a bad attitude you know I mean it's not about the song it's about the focus of our attention what are we worshiping so the first thing I want to look at here is one is wrong worship is that we do is called is let somebody else go for you no one else can worship for you but you you can't let anybody else go for you, you can't send Rick you can't send Bob you have to go worship you have to make the sacrifice of praise True worship can only be done by you and no one else but you. The people stood afar off. And what did they say? They said, yeah, Moses, you go for us, lest we die. You go for us. They were afraid of being tested. They were afraid of, of what God might show them. And I have to be honest, I think we are our own worst enemy many times. You know, the Bible says, I don't have the scripture, but it says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own 
evil desires and enticed. We have a choice whether we will stand afar off or not. I mean, God is drawing us closer. He wants to reveal stuff in us because you know what it is? It's a challenging time for us when we come into worship and God shows us something. Ouch. That wasn't so comfortable, God. I didn't really like that too well. But he says, yeah, but I need you to see this so that you can grow and we can become closer together. Number two thing here with worship is this. Wrong worship says, it's all about me. Time will heal me. How many of you ever felt like you've said that before? Oh, time will heal all wounds. Oh, time does heal some things, yes. I mean, time does make things go, go by. But if there are deep things in your heart, guess what? Worship can do. It can root those things up. I think we can, if we were honest with ourselves, we can be totally healed in a place of worship with God because you are intimate before him. You're open before him because really what is, what is worship? It's intimacy. It's, it's getting beyond myself and getting to what the father's heart is, the heart of worship. We see this other saying on this, this same topic here. So what he reveals, and this is a good line for you, what God reveals in your life, he will heal. God's not there to bring bad things out of you and say, oh, you look at you, you're a bad person. No. He wants to bring it from a heart of love and bring it up because sometimes we bury those things pretty deep in our lives, don't we? We bury them deep. What he reveals, he heals. He always does. He's faithful. He's, his compassion and his love for us will take us through any trial and through the pain of anything that we face in life. Anything. You can be healed by worshiping God. That's why worship is so important. That's why many times we do it in the beginning of a service because we're plowing the ground of our heart and we want our heart to be healed so that when God's word comes forth, it takes root in our hearts. And when a plant grows, there's a change in the atmosphere. We have a, a few tomato plants that we've planted this year. We're not very good gardeners, the best gardeners. I'm sure you guys probably have big fields of stuff in your yards. We have a little bitty section devoted to a few, few plants and some hot peppers because my son-in-law is Mexican. And we gotta have the jalapenos. But when a tomato plant comes forth, there's a change that takes place in the atmosphere. It's not long before you start seeing something growing on them. And it's the same with us. When we have that attitude of getting into God's relationship and worship with him, that something can take root in your heart. You may be saying, man, I've, I've been struggling for years to get close to God. And you know what? Today is the day for you. It just takes a step. I like what Linda said. It's just a step forward into God. Now you, that may be a physical thing, but it's a spiritual principle of stepping in to the promises of God.
And worship is the place that we do this. See, the people who know their God have been to the mountain of his presence. This mountain was a significant place. It was a place of change in their lives. See, our faith increases. You ever, you, you ever ask God for more faith? God, give me more faith. Guess where it increases? Our faith increases when we get deeper and closer together with God. This means we can't stay afar off. We can't let the circumstances of the day keep us from getting close to God. The mountain also represents the place of God's face-to-face -face encounter. Moses, he called Moses right up to the mountain. And it's the place where Moses went up and had face-to-face -face encounters with God. You know, I don't know about you, but we, we, we like to order food a lot, uh, groceries. Uh, we'll, we'll order groceries. I'm, I'm not sure if you've made that transition or not. But sometimes we are in an Instacart and DoorDash society where we say it's always easier to send someone else to do the work than it is for us. Now, with groceries, I agree. <laughs> I don't want to go shopping. I'd rather pay $5 or $10 or whatever it is to tip the driver to bring him to my door. Amen or oh me. But God is calling us to this mountain. And years ago, I just want to share this story because years ago, the Lord was really dealing with me on this mountain experience. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different mountain experiences you can have in your life where you kind of, you know, lives are kind of ebbs and flows. They're hills and valleys. And, and if you're in a valley, there's, there's a mountain coming for you. So please be encouraged today. But I was really thinking about this whole concept of, of mountains and rivers. And, and, you know, as we began the service today, I just want to encourage you today that there is a river of God that is moving today. A river of the anointing of God that's moving today. But we have to understand something that rivers start on the mountaintop. Follow me. You can't get in the anointing in the river and bypass the mountain. That's what we'd like to do. We'd like to take the Instacart road, the DoorDash road. And we want it instantaneously, but you can't get there without going to the mountain and seeing God face to face. And, and so God was really speaking to me and he showed me this and what we try to do is we bypass. And how many of you ever seen people floating down a river with a life vest on? You know, it's probably a smart thing if you're in a rough water, you need a life vest. But when it comes to the spirit of God and the flow of God, we need to take our life vests off and just jump in. So what do the life vests represent? The cares of this world, our struggles, our pain, our hurt, anything that keeps us from God's presence. And if you can come into worship and you can take your life vest off, let God transform you on the mountain, and then guess what? The flow of the river will take you where God's desire is for your life.
Come on, it's time to get in the river. It's time to get in the flow of what God is saying nowadays. The last point here that I want to speak on on wrong worship is this. Is they, wrong worship says this. We fashion our own gods to worship. Ouch. This is going to be a hard one. I'm just going to warn you right up front. This is a hard one for all of us. Because true worship puts God in the place of priority in our lives. That's what true worship does. And I can't say that I've always done that right. And I can't say that I'll do it right tomorrow. Because there are a lot of distractions in our life that we have to deal with. It's a place where we, he is our all in all and he is our, the one we worship and he's the one we magnify with our lips and honor with our lives and praise. And in the, in the book of uh, Exodus here where they're talking about this, the, the, um, in Exodus the uh, uh, Israelites rejected getting close to God. And they, they, they stood afar off. Even though God had delivered them from all of these crazy things, there was something still inside them. And in Exodus chapter 32, we read of a story where Moses goes up to the mountain of God again to be with God. And Aaron, his second in command, was following him up, but he stops halfway. And the story reads that he goes back down to the people and he sees they're in turmoil because Moses is delaying his coming back down to the people. See how much they put placed emphasis on Moses and not God. And so here the story is this. Aaron decided to take what they had, all their valuables, and he melted them together and he made something the golden calf so that they could worship their idol rather than God and so he fashioned this into their image the golden calf represented something that was familiar to them now listen to me please this represented something that was familiar to them they came out of Egypt and guess what they did in Egypt they had idols they worshipped idols and so the people, because they weren't close to God, because they didn't come into the relationship with God through worship, and they were invited up the mountain just like Moses was, but they decided not to go. And so we see that they, they substituted God for an idol. Now, we live in America. We don't really deal with too many type of golden images or idols of, of statue or something of this nature. But like I shared before, we do have many idols, don't we? Let me, let me read off a few of them, and you probably can add to this list in your own time. Self can be an idol. You can have an idol of yourself. You can have an idol of your time. How many know that money can be an idol even though it says in God we trust it can be an idol what about relationships you can have a relationship that is an idol something that you put above God careers education celebrities we talked a little bit about Elvis last time I think remember the king 
Politicians can be idols. Actually, political parties can be idols. Ouch. Musicians, food, drugs, sex, ourselves. Oops, I said that one twice. Cars, achievements. How many sun worshipers do we have that like the beach? I like the beach, I'm sorry. I'm not worshiping the sun, but I do like the beach. Now these are modern day idols. And listen, here's what happens. If we don't put God in the proper place in our heart of worship, the priority in our lives, guess what we do? We follow in the same pattern that the children of Israel did and we bring in a substitute. Something that's just a little lower, but it fills the need for now. Relationships, running from one person to another person, trying to make yourself happy. I don't know, could be. Lifting up some person over another. And we have this place where God says, I am God. I am the God. You shall have no other what? Gods before me. And you shall not even make yourself an engraved image, the Ten Commandments say. And yet we can so easily do this without even thinking about it. We don't have to leave our houses to do this. We can put something in a place of idolship over God so easy. <laughs> See, we have the same invitation to come to the mountain of change, you know. And here we are, we're celebrating the Independence Weekend holiday. And I love Independence Day because it's our freedom from the, the tyranny of Britain and, and, and all of that. And that's great stuff. But I always often wonder if we go too far and we say, yeah, I want to be independent. And we take it to the point where we're independent from God. See, that's not what we're supposed to do. We can be independent in our celebrations that we're having today, but we need to be totally and wholly dependent upon him for everything. So how do we do this? I, I was thinking about this and, and it's like, okay, well, what do we do? What do you do, Matt? That's my question to myself. What do I do? How do I get back to the place of worship? How do I get back to that place of intimacy with God? How do I return to the heart of worship that God intended me and created me for? Well, the first step in God is always down. Did you know that? The step up in God, the first step up in God is to step down. And it's called humbling yourselves. Be humble. James 4, 5, I don't believe I have this uh, on the slide. Maybe I do. Okay, I don't have this scripture, but you probably know the scripture. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves before the hand of the mighty God. Humble yourselves. And then it goes on and he makes a promise. He says, and he will exalt you in due time. He will exalt you in due time. 
This is one of the most powerful things you can do with any relationship is to humble yourself. And when it comes to our relationship with God, it's a requirement to come into his presence to humble ourselves. Number two thing here is to spend quality time. Say this, purposefully. Say purposefully. We are to spend quality of time with God. Sunday morning is great. The anointing's here. The people are to gather together. We're assembling together as we're supposed to do. But you need, we need to worship God quality time on our own, away from this place. So that way when we join together, wow, I've already been experiencing what God's doing on Sunday morning. I've already been in that place of unity with God and now I'm ready to come together with my family of God, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are going to bring down heaven on earth. That's the power of worship. The last thing we need to do here is we need to be quick to repent. We need to be quick to repent. These are the three things. There's no right or wrong order, but we need to do these things to come into God's presence. We need to be quick to repent because, listen, Jesus' words said this. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And he says, but, say but. If you do not forgive others who sin who, over their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins either. Man, how can we make it more plain? We've got to come into that place where we humble ourselves, we begin to spend quality time with God, and not let our idols get in the way, and we are quick to repent. I don't know about you, but I've found that God is pretty quick to forgive. <laughs> Sometimes faster than I think he should. <laughs> it's like, man, that person, they really didn't, didn't deserve that forgiveness yet. I mean, come on, they didn't pay the price yet. They didn't go through the struggle yet. But God says, nope, they asked. I gave. That's awesome. You know, when you look at where we are in our lives, in this world that we're living in, I think we need to come back to that place of worship. That place where we are created by God's heavenly design before the foundations of the world, we were created for this. And I know that we live in difficult times and there's so many distractions going on, but listen, we need to come back. It's not going to come by, uh, I'm not against voting. I'm not against political party affiliations. I'm not saying that. I'm not sure if this is me or maybe it's God's really trying to put an emphasis on that part. No, I'm just kidding. But what I am saying, if we want change in this world, it's not going to come by who you vote for. Can I just be honest? It's not going to come by any, going to any rallies. It's going to come by this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. 
It's going to come by God speaking through people like us, humbling ourselves together and getting on our face before God and saying, God, I don't understand anything that's going on anymore. But there is one thing I do understand is that you created me for worship. And I'm going to worship. Because when you worship, you can bring God's presence in such a strong way. And that's the place that we need to get to today. So let's go ahead and prepare our hearts for a communion this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.